Ayo, hey, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome in to the CHGO White Sox podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. CHGO Sports is still going for 30,000 subscribers. That is our next big milestone. So head over to the YouTube channel and subscribe there today. And if you're listening to this podcast, uh, give us a five-star rating if you have been enjoying our year-plus-long now coverage of the Chicago White Sox. With me is the usual crew. Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber and Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwell23 um, and go send your best wishes to Herb on Twitter because he's sick. He's feeling a little bit under the weather. You know, if, if Herb's not bringing uh, the energy like he used to because he's uh, he, he's skipping the the goose on 312 today and he's going to Nightfall. Yeah, and water. I'm trying to stay um, hydrated. I'm very nasally today. I don't know if you guys can tell. Or my voice is a little deeper. Yeah. Get him. We're gonna be able to really harmonize now. I, I can hit the high stuff. I think Vinny got a pretty good mid uh, mid range, and then you know Herb's now can get those uh, low lows. So uh, I think we're we're really gonna gear up for uh, our next album. Um, what we go on the road as acapella? Yeah, we're not a, barbers- doing- a little barbershop quartet. Maybe that'll be nice. Would it be classic rock? I mean, what what kind of what kind of music would we make if we had a band? Well, I can't play an instrument, so I would That's have good. to only be a singer or the tambourine guy. That tambourine guy doesn't do much, so I can do that too. But yeah, I'm in that spot. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of I don't think there's a lot of uh, demand for a rock band that features a tuba, so I don't think that's going to work out too well for me either. You should have been I, in the '90s when you know all those uh well Zoot Suit Riot people were out there. We're, we're, I don't know if I would call that rock band, but yes, when we were ba- when the swing the swing revival very briefly lived, maybe uh, could have had a job for me, but mm, not these the, days. The impression that I get is that we won't be making an album, and it, I, I don't think I can get you guys on board to make a Scott album. So I see what right, you we'll did there. Yeah. Thank you. Tip of the hat. Um, let's jump into our main topic. We're going to be predicting who will have the most stolen bases on the White Sox in 2023. Uh, we did a little bit of the uh, pitcher talk with this. Uh, I think it was on the Wednesday show before we went to the Big Ten tournament uh, and drank Goose Islands. And happy 312 day, by the way. Um, Goose Island is our beer sponsor of CHGO. And thank you very much. Uh, but on Wednesday, we predicted most innings pitched by any White Sox uh, starting pitcher. And then we uh, guessed on Monday or predicted who will have the most hits for the White Sox uh, in 2023. So go back to those episodes if you're interested in that discussion. But today, stolen bases. We talked a little bit about uh, stolen bases with Rotowire's Chris Crawford on our Friday remote show. But who will have the most stolen bases in 2023 for the Chicago White Sox in 2022? It was Tim Anderson with 13. But the weird thing is they were the best team in Major League Baseball for basically the first like four months in stealing bases, at least from a percentage. They were over 90 percent. So when they were attempting steal, uh, stealing bases, they were nabbing them every single time. Uh, so a, a pretty skillful uh, stolen base team. Uh, they got some artists on this team, uh, but maybe not the the burners. Uh, how do we describe the White Sox speed and do we expect it to change with Pedro Grafal in 2023? Well, I think what you said there is an important uh, important point to bring up. It, it seems like this is a team that that kind of knows how to pick its spots, right? Now, again, we got a new coaching staff uh, on the south side, and and we'll see whether they are sending the White Sox with the same strategy that the last one was. But um, I, I think that you've got some 
heady base uh, stealers on this team, maybe knowing when to knowing when to go and and knowing what's uh, to take advantage of pitchers and catchers. Uh, you know, I somewhat ironically, they're not very good at that on the other side of it, right? To fame, uh, kind of over the last couple of years, they've given up quite a bit of stolen bases, but. Um, this is something that, you know, you got a guy like Tim Anderson, you got a guy like Luis Robert Jr. who, um, you know, like you said, Sean, they're not the guys at the top of the uh, uh, category in speed maybe, but they're good at base stealing. They're good at stealing bases. So um, that is something that could continue. And then obviously you got to throw the new rules in here, right? This is kind of why we're talking about this right now. You've got uh, the, the limits on the number of times that a pitcher can throw over to first base. And then of course, bigger bases as well. All of that kind of geared to try to increase movement on the base paths and, and increase the number of stolen bases that there are uh, league wide. So you'll probably see a huge jump in those stolen base numbers across the league. And why shouldn't the White Sox be a part of that? Uh, they've got a few guys who maybe can benefit by just toying with the pitcher, right? You don't have to be the fastest, but if you know how to kind of uh, uh, make the pitcher pay attention to you, well, then there you go. That's a, that's a way that you can kind of move ahead uh, on the base pad. So I think it'll be uh, interesting to see. I think we'll see something different, but uh, I think you can go back to the the first half or first half plus of last year and see a team that's not afraid to run when it has the opportunity to do so. And I know we mostly focus on the bigger bases, and then only being able to throw over to first base a couple times during an at-bat. But I think the more pressing uh, rule that they made this year that's going to be better for Steelers is going to be the pitch clock. You get 20 seconds when you got a guy on base. And so that person can see that pitch clock also. So he knows that the pitcher, especially if he's already done his two throws over there, can get a nice lead, can get a nice jump. And you've seen Tim, as uh, Vinny said, mess with pitchers, especially if they're right-handed pitchers who are – looking directly at him while he's at third base, Tim will take a nice running lead and get into their head. And I could see him doing that this year. And his position as the first batter in the lineup also lends itself to being up more on base more. And so I think that he, at the end of the day, will be the person that will be the leader as he was last year, 13, I think 13 for 13 last year for Tim Anderson this year. And it'll be more than 13 if he does play uh, a significant amount of games because of the rules and because of his great speed and his ability to know when to steal and when he's going to get thrown out. I just want to quickly update uh, because I was doing a little bit of research and got distracted with a Michael Kopech highlight. He is currently pitching in spring training against the angels. Uh, we, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify. I was a little bit worried about his ramp up. Maybe he wouldn't be ready for the first opening series. Like Pedro Grafal said, uh, he looks ridiculously good, uh, so I am excited. Uh, <laughs> let's go baseball. I am very glad that it's back, uh, even if it's spring training highlights. Uh, but what I wanted to get into was the bigger bases and what that has uh, affected and even the pickoff rule um, so far in spring training and what we've noticed. This is from Jeff Passan, and it is from the ninth, so it isn't um, most up-to-date. Uh, but stolen base attempts per game in 2022, and this is spring training versus 2023, uh, 1.6 in 2023, 2.4. Maybe that is just because you're practicing a little bit more. You think it's going to be a part of the game. Maybe you're trying to get that going a little bit more. Every team is trying it out a little bit. Or just but test also, it out, right? Just right. figure out whether it is good for base stealing or mm -hmm. not. And, and you know, so, yeah, you're right. There is some, some context to be had with those numbers. But 
also, like if a guy is just rattled up on the mound and maybe it's a rookie pitcher and you got Tim Anderson over there and he's just baiting you into picking off twice and then stealing a back and then Elvis Andrews comes up or whatever um, and he's doing the same thing. Like we, it could really just blow up a game. So this is very, I think, uh, interesting, uh, but also it's basically uh, more singles, more stolen bases and runs. Uh, batted balls on ground balls, uh, so shift uh 235 was the uh, batting average on ground balls. Uh, now it's uh, 250. Uh, and then the strikeout rate uh, has dipped a little bit, uh, 23.9 to 23.1. Um, so and games are moving faster. So it's going to be an interesting game of baseball that we're going to be seeing. Uh, but back to the stolen bases, um, I think it's probably going to most uh, help Tim. If we're looking at the steamer projections for 2023 off fan graphs, uh, they think Tim's going to have the best year out of any White Sox. Uh, 21 stolen bases for Tim Anderson, 2023, Luis Robert Jr. at 16, Elvis Andrews at 14, Ben Attendee at 10, Yohan Moncada at 4, Colas at 3, Vaughn, Romy, and Liuri at 2, uh, and then a, a scattering of guys, even Carlos Perez and Sebi Zavala uh, projected to steal a base. Anyone picking Sebi? Uh, no. Um, maybe let's go to Luis. Obviously, the bases are bigger. Obviously, he's very, very fast. But a glaring incident from August 12th that ruined his season in 2022 stands out. Will Luis Robert be running? And even the play where we saw him get picked off in the World Baseball Classic, where uh, he started to go to third, then tried to go to back uh, back to second to be safe, didn't go he uh, head first. Uh, he did a feet first slide there. So I do wonder if he's still a little bit cautious uh, using those hands and diving back at bases. Do we expect Luis Robert to be aggressive or more aggressive or least aggressive? Uh, Lee? I got what you're saying. Um, yeah, I think that Luis needs to learn how to slide head first or uh, foot first because your hands, as we saw last year, hands and wrists and uh, fingers are probably the most important thing as a batter. You need those. And a thing like a legal play, I want to make sure that White Sox fans know that what Jonathan Scope did last year is a legal play, putting his uh, leg down in front of the bag. You know how you stop Jonathan Scope from doing that? going in spikes first into second base. And that's how you get him to stop doing that. I guarantee he won't do that anymore. And I don't know the difference. You know, you know, people like to slide head first so they can, you know, take one away, slide away and do the uh, little swim moves and things like that. I get it. But I think that you need to think about your health. There's so many things that can go wrong when you're sliding head first. And foot first is a little bit less risky when you're doing that. So I think unless he learns how to slide head first or uh, foot first, I would, tamp him down because you don't want him to be missing plays or missing time because of a stolen base. And we know in the more analytical world, stolen bases are not that more valued, especially if you're going to get uh, picked off. Like what you got to be like a 75% stolen base guy just for it to be an actual good thing for the team. So I would say the number they had 14 makes sense. He, we know he has 30 stolen base potential, but I would like for him to stay healthy. If that means him not sliding at first or him not stealing more bags, I'm in for it. Well, to remember too, that that was not the first uh, sliding uh, into second base injury that, that Luis had, had suffered since joining the White Sox organization. Minor leagues, remember, he had uh, a thumb injury that like took away all his power uh, that one year. I think it was his first year in the organization, first year in the minor leagues. So, um yeah, it's a it's trend at this point, right? Um, yeah, but I mean, listen, Lu Luis again is a, is a 
I think he's a smart, I think he's a smart base stealer when it comes to picking your spots to run. And, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's more about that than it is, you know, Oh, he's going to be afraid of sliding or something like that. I mean, I think part of the the thing with the new rules is the strategy of it. Right. And, and figuring out when you're going to go, how can you kind of toy with the pitcher in that, in that way, toy with the defense in that way. Um, and then, Hey, you got a bigger base. If you're sliding, if you're doing the swim move, if you're doing the whole wraparound Javi Baez thing, there's more base for you to touch now. There's a higher way for you to be safe. So um, I, I don't think you would necessarily see that stop completely. You're right. It's a, it's about smarts and it's about doing it in a way that doesn't uh, get you injured, certainly. But um, as as multiple managers have, have said in response to many questions from me and, and other reporters, you never want to take the aggressiveness away from a player because that's something that you can't put back in. Uh, and and so that's something that you definitely want to keep in mind, whether it's Luis Robert on the base paths, whether it's Luis Robert or Tim Anderson uh, in the batter's box, when it comes to swinging the pitches, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it can, it can cut both ways, certainly, but it's a, it's, it's more, more often than not, especially when you've already used it to make it to this level, um, it can work in your favor. And I think that's probably true for Luis um, in this situation, but uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the guy is fast. Um, let's see if uh, a year of health, uh, you know, after all, all of the, what he went through in each of the last two seasons um, can return him to that toolsy guy that everybody fell in love with a few years ago. You know, I've commented so much on, on the anecdotal man, it looked like his jumps in the outfield weren't so great last year, man. Some of the routes that he took to balls, very weird thing to see from a guy who won a gold glove. Um, maybe now you take all those injuries, you put them in the rear view mirror and he's back to not only being that defender, but he's back to being that runner and that, and that base stealer again as well. Yeah. And that was basically five years ago that he hurt his thumb in spring training, uh, March 10th, 2018, uh, Injured his thumb sliding into second base during Wednesday's spring training uh, game. Uh, the same game after he hit an eighth inning grand slam. So uh, kind of uh, he giveth and he taketh in the same game there. Uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully he's able to burn because, I mean, he's like, he stole 30 bags down in the minor leagues. Like he is, I think, the fastest player on the White Sox. If they had to have a hundred yard dash or whatever, um, I think Luis Robert wins that one. And I think it's by five yards or so. Well, I'm not quite sure. And here's a name you haven't brought up yet, Sean. Billy Hamilton. Oh, that's true. Is Billy Hamilton going to, A, make the team, and B, if he does, would he be used in a way that could get him to the top of that stolen base list? I mean, even if he's a reserve player, he's a reserve player for a very specific purpose, right? And so you could see seventh, eighth inning fairly regularly, multiple times a week. Maybe he goes in not as a pinch hitter, but as a pinch runner uh, and a guy who is out there when it's a one-run game or a tie game. Uh, and it's, hey, Aloy just doubled. Go put Billy Hamilton on second base. He steals third base and a fly ball, you know, gives the White Sox the lead, gives the White Sox a win, perhaps. I mean, it's it. Billy Hamilton is not a guy who you look at to say, oh my God, that guy should be a slam dunk for this roster because of X, Y, Z that he can do. He can do X really, really well. And uh, in my opinion, if you're going to be a winning team, if you're going to be a team that's looking to to get every little advantage and, and, and make it all the way to the end of October, that's the kind of guy, that's the kind of tool, that's the kind of weapon that you want at your disposal. And so um, I, I, obviously it's not easy, super easy to project oh yeah, give him that fourth outfielder spot and he's going to run for days. Uh, but if it were to happen, I mean, you certainly got to bring him into this conversation. 
So Adam Engel was second on this team last year. So the fourth outfielder was second in stolen bases. So that's a pretty decent call. Uh, and Billy Hamilton in the past two years, without even the new rules, 2021, he was nine for nine in stolen bases. Last year in, I think, 40 less games, <laughs> he stole 10 bags. Um, so he stole one more bag uh, and was 10 for one. And the one thing, too, he dominated uh, down when he was in the minor leagues last year. Uh, with these rules um, in the minors, just want to make sure I have the, yeah, uh, in the minors, uh, five for five uh, down in the minors. So in 25 games. So uh, the new rules obviously helped him. He is a burner. Uh, no steamer projection. Steamer has him having two stolen bases. So um, I, I would take the over on Billy Hamilton having two stolen bases. That's for sure. Yeah. If he's on the team, he's stealing a bunch of bags. And as Vinny said, it's a double, it's a, positive both ways you get billy on the bases and you get a lawyer off of the field from maybe injuring himself you know i know that he doesn't feel that way but him oscar colas both candidates to be replaced late in the game by billy hamilton so i would be very uh interested to see where his numbers are going because he's on the bases to steal the bag and i think that will help the batter who's up right there and even if he doesn't steal you're just knowing that billy hamilton is that guy you got him on your mind the whole time. You're doing pitch outs. You're doing stuff, throws over to first and such. And he's getting you a, a level of uh, worry from the pitcher that you wouldn't get from any other player on this roster. Like, Luis Roberts pretty fast, but you know Billy Hampton's on the bags specifically to steal second and or third. All right, you guys want to give me your top three here? Um, who's going to have the top three most steals in order? All right. I don't want just, you know, top three guys um, who's going to be first, who's going to be second, who's going to be third. Uh, I want your gold, your bronze and your well, your gold, your silver and your bronze medalist. All right. I'll go with uh, I, I mean, I think you can't argue with with Herb's reasoning from earlier, which is T.A. first, just because he's going to play every day that he's healthy and he's and he's going to be first in the batting order. So, you know, he's going to get the most plate appearances. He's going to get the, the most chances to get on base. You might as well go ahead and, and and call him the projected leader for a stolen bases as well, just because he'll have so many of them. I will go out on a limb and say for number two, I'll say Billy Hamilton. Um, I think that the possession of that incredible skill set when it comes to speed makes him a, a better pick to be that fourth outfielder than some of the other guys they got in camp right now. Uh, but of course we'll see how that plays out. But for right now, I'll, I'll go ahead and put Hamilton second and You'd think that Robert would be third, but I think there are some other guys on this team uh, that that certainly deserve to be in the conversation. I mean, you talk about heady base runners. That's Andrew Benintendi's reputation, right? Yeah, maybe he doesn't rack up the steals, but um, a guy who would probably be very much able to pick his spots um, and take advantage of some of these new rules if everything that the White Sox and Pedro Grafol say about him uh, is correct. So uh, don't forget about him. I, you know, a guy like Colas, why not, right? A, a young guy out there. And then, hey, Elvis Andrus is a veteran, so he's got mm-hmm. the know-how too. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that third place will belong to Elvis Andrus. I think I'm going to go with Tim as num- my number one for the same reasons that we said before two i'm gonna go with billy hamilton and you brought up my three it's gonna be andrew bintini lately he has not been stealing a lot of bases lately has not early in his career he stole 20 bases each time and barely got thrown out he has decent enough speed and a heady base runner to do it and he'll be in positions to do it remember he gets on base at a clip last year more than most white Sox players so he'll have the opportunities to do it 
It's just about the number. It's not about the success, Sean, right? You said how many will lead the team. If he leads, if he's at third with 17, that's a solid look. I think he'll be there. I don't think he's going to be stealing 40 bases or 30 bases. 17 might lead the team, or it might be third in place in the team. So I think Andrew Bentini will probably be the guy right there at my third place spot. All right, Herb. Hey, I, I, I'm always wrong. Uh, I, you should look at my betting uh, record. It's not good. Um, so, you know, I, I, I can't be talking, honestly. Um, I will take – this is actually – it's tough because it's, it's – Luis is such a wild card because he's either not going to do it or he's just going to be the best in baseball, um, and that's annoying because um, he could have a 30-30 season, which wouldn't be annoying. That would be pretty cool and fun to watch. I'm not going to pick it, though, because we, we, we tried doing that last year. Um, I will say, Tim, especially, you know, with the, to- the, the contract looming, um, I think the most that he could put up on a stat sheet will, will always help him. And he's, he's fast enough and he's, he's pretty damn good at doing it. So I'll take Tim for the lead. I will take Elvis Anders, too, just because he's crafty. I mean, that's probably the craftiest player the White Sox have. So we'll take him. <laughs> Herb opens the door for Siggy. Uh, Corgis have a fantastic way to walk. Uh, and then uh, finally, uh, I'll take. Uh, mm. I'll take Billy Hamilton. Why not? Let's okay. let's give him the bronze. He's he's going to at least steal 10. Right. And then it- the question now is, will he do that for the White Sox? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's he just... might, he might, I mean, like he played, he ended up playing 71 games in 2021. And I know that like, it's just injuries happen. It's baseball. It's a long season. It's I, again, it's, it's, that was more of a comment of will mm-hmm. he, will he break camp with the team? Because I, I think that there is, there is always a job out there for Billy Hamilton, right? As we've seen since he left Cincinnati and he's been on so many different teams, but some team is always going to be calling. There's always going to be a job for Billy Hamilton because he can do one thing extraordinarily well. He can do some other things pretty well as well. And obviously, as White Sox fans don't need to be reminded, a great clubhouse presence too. Um, I think that, again, that should win the day, in my opinion, over some of the other guys that are in camp right now. But if it doesn't because of you know offensive performance or, or anything like that, um, I think he will end up playing Major League Baseball in 2023. No doubt about that in my mind. He did make the club in 2021, uh, was on the opening day team. So uh, that, that's a fair point to bring up. Um, may, maybe he does go somewhere else, but he kind of did the whole, you know, I've been around the world thing. Uh, I don't know if he wants to do that again. It seems yeah, like but I don't really think like Chicago. Be, I don't think it's going to be his choice. I think it's going to be people like Jake Berger or, you know, Victor Reyes, who also has decent enough speed, pushing him off of the team type of thing it's i think bailey wants to be here as anybody would want to be on this competing team but other people's performances in spring training might make a roster crunch and might make a decision for the white Sox that billy hamilton just won't be on this team and you can get the speed from jake marisnik reyes etc yeah we'll have to see um let us know your thoughts Hit us up on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox with your uh, gold, silver, and bronze, medal- bronze medalist for stolen bases in 2023 for the White Sox. Again, we're hoping for a 30-30 for Louis, uh, Luis Robert Jr. season. But uh, again, we don't want to get our hopes up too high. Anyways, let's take a quick break. We got some Andrew Vaughn stuff. And then you mentioned Oscar Colas uh, and Yon Moncada. Those guys leaving the yard and making people very, very excited about the 2023 season. Uh, we'll dive into some of that stuff after the break. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite teams. So get fitted in the best sports gear around. 
FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles. FOCO, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life, FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze, and I think it's still snowing out, so I can still say that. Um, it's not it's not spring yet. Uh, check out FOCO.com, F-O-C-O.com, or click the link in the description below. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. That's FOCO.com. And it's 312 day, so of course we're going to have a Goose Island read. They are CHGO's beer sponsor. They've been Chicago's beer since 1988. Boys, what's your favorite beer from Goose Island? I just it's got the three one two. Yeah, I just got the Tasty Time Pale Ale. I got it in my refrigerator right now. There it's you delicious. go. Um, I, I would have to say the three one two as well. Um, it's it's surprising. It's a little bit hazy. It's lemony, uh, just like the can says. Um, it's so drinkable. Um, so that's my favorite. But why not go try out all of their massive, massive beer roster on three one two day? They got Matilda and the Sophie in the nice, nice bottles. Uh, the Green Line, the Beer Hug IPA series, and you could get that in a nice little uh. Uh, taster where you can get all four different flavors uh, for the nice 15 cans. They have the Tasty Time Pale Ale that Herb picked up uh, and even the nice Blackhawks Pale Ale which is a limited release. Um, And Goose Island has two locations that are open and ready to welcome you. You can grab a beer right from their innovative tanks at the Goose Island Tap Room at 1800 West Fulton or get a smash burger and fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brewhouse at 1800 North Clybourne. For reservations and pickup go to gooseisland.com slash locations Goose Island Beer Company. All right, let's get into a little bit of Andrew Vaughn talk here. So uh, Herb sent me this 1021 last night, uh, Andrew Vaughn's triple uh, that he hit off uh, a San Diego Padre pitcher. And White Sox Twitter is a buzz. Uh, And I saw this earlier, too. I want to give credit to um, KFIDS and uh, Southside Zoe of uh, Pinwheels and Ivy, uh, who saw this. Uh, in batting practice, like in one of the first uh, videos that that uh, were shot by the beat reporters down uh, in Arizona. Um, but Andrew Vaughn seems to change his swing a little bit. Uh, seems like he's a little bit more upright. Uh, seems like he's uh, a little bit less noisy. Um, but basically what you see for Vaughn is just more of a position where he gets loaded. I would describe this as, you know, you've seen pitchers have a windup and then, you know, they get a little bit thrown off with their mechanics having to do the full windup and then they go to the stretch. I feel like this is just Vaughn locking and loading. Um, So you can kind of see the red trail and the first clip is going to be him batting in, I think it's June uh, against our guy, Connor Pilkington. Uh, And you could see that his bats moving down, up, around, and it's just kind of all doing this one thing. Um, And the next at bat is going to be the video that you sent me, Herb, uh, from White Sox Daily, where, again, he's kind of more already in that locked position. He's kind of already uh, quieted that bat noise, um, and I've I've slowed it down as well. So you can just kind of see it's just more direct. Like, he's just not waving the bat as much. Um, It's just kind of simplified, right? Um, And he's actually doing this all the way back into September. I was just trying to see, you know, what could this gain? What could he do um, from just quieting this bat? Um, And we know that Andrew Vaughn's a hitter that wants to go to every single uh, field, um, and and what I was reading on, there's a great write-up from Jeff Sullivan uh, from Fangraphs where Kyle Schwarber and Jock Peterson did the th- same thing in 2017 to 2018. Um, and Joe Madden had a great quote on what Kyle was trying to do. Schwarber made a key change this year, a change prompted in part by emphasis from manager Joe Madden in spring training to his hitters to worry less about launch angle and more about a level path uh, and using the whole field. Now, Joe Madden, again, is using uh, analytics, but also uh, old school coaching. Uh, 
But basically, a more level path, path is just going to create more backspin, uh, which is then just going to create more line drives, less ground balls. So basically, Andrew Vaughn is just trying to level out his bat path, which is good, right? He's just trying to let create less motion before the swing and that the swing is just clean and concise. Um, and back in September, when he, I think, made this change, you can kind of see this is game action uh, versus the Twins. Just kind of, it's already... He was already making the change in 2022 um, in September, 2022 at his best month against fastballs in the top of the zone uh, with a 3.3 run value uh, in his career. Sorry, the second best um, July, 2021 uh, hit a 5.2 run value, but the launch angels in both of those months were the same at 13. So you can just kind of see that he, he's just, I think over the span of a baseball uh, season, he's really sharp. He gets a little bit away from himself, just like any other baseball player. And then it seems like he's kind of made things a little bit more concise at the end of 2022. And it seems like it's carried over through his work in the offseason of 2023. So um, good for Andrew Vaughn. Well, what do they keep saying about this guy? You know what I mean? Professional hitter. This is someone who um, has been looked at as uh, very mature for his age, dating all the way back to the night the White Sox took him with the draft pick. I mean, he, he's a guy who they were convinced that night could be – uh, a, a very quick riser through the system because he was such a far along offensive product already. And I, I, I think that you heard that not just for the very brief time that he was in the minor leagues, but as soon as he showed up to spring training for that rookie season in 2021, that's all you heard from everybody was, Oh, here you go. This is the guy we're, we're excited because this is what we thought we were going to get when, uh, when we drafted him. That's what, that's what the White Sox were saying at the time. And it is only kind of continued like, yeah, of course he can handle it. Of course he's supposed to be here right now. Of course he can, uh, you know, uh, uh, go up against pitchers over the course of a full season because this is what was expected. Uh, I mean, we talk so often about baseball being that chess match of you make adjustment, then the, uh, then the other guy makes an adjustment then and back and forth and back and forth, less of a chess match, maybe in more of a tennis match right but um uh, I, I think this is an example of that happening and and one day this you know if this is working for him right now and this is uh the, his adjustment to get a lot better one day the pitchers are going to figure something else out and they're going to go back at him and it's going to be up to him to tweak something else to figure something else out and uh i think the guys who can do that are the guys who have these careers the guys who have success and i think that's the kind of guy that the white Sox always thought and always knew that they were getting in andrew vaughn I mean, when you look at Andrew Vaughn's swing and uh, you showed us the video on off uh, offline and people who are in podcast uh, version, I'm sure Sean will uh, send out the uh, tweet for you so you can see the difference in the swings. It's a lot. You already have the big, huge step from his plant foot goes into his body and then he has to put the foot down and then bring his hands forward. If you're doing that already, you don't need your hands to be busy and, and all the other mechanics to be busy. So being more quiet, being more steady up top while the bottom half is loading up is probably more of a repeatable motion. In fact, you can get to fastballs. You can get to different things quicker because this is split second. You're moving all these hands and such. It's going to make it more difficult. I mean, one of the greatest hitters of all time, Tony Gwynn says the thing is, is having your bat in the strike zone and in the swing path for as long as you can. This will help the Andrew Vaughn getting his bat into the strike zone, into the swing path, quicker and for longer periods of time so he won't be well swinging and with miffing uh whiffing these pitches like he has done in the past so i think it's good to be a little bit more quiet and you saw what the results yesterday and you said in september he had his best 
second best month of his whole career when he started doing these. I think there's still more to be done with that swing. I think he still moves his bat a little bit more than I like, but not as much as he was doing versus Connor Pilkinson in the video you showed us, John. Yeah, and the only times he's had uh, run values against fastballs like that are belt higher above, um, the start of the year, March 2022, 3.6, September 2022, 2.2, and then July 2021, 4.3. Um, so, you know, it really felt like he settled in in July 2021, and then we've pointed out him in the outfield against the Yankees uh, in mid-August where his power basically gets zapped because he tries to dive in the outfielder, not an outfielder, hurts his back, and he talked about, you know, trying to build up strength and I think building up that strength hurt his stamina and he became a worst outfielder because he couldn't run for longer distances. I know that people really don't buy into it because he's an athlete and you should be able to play anywhere. I can't run long distances, but again, like a 40 yard dash, I feel like I could beat most people in the offices, a hundred yard dash. I'm toast, right? I, I don't have the gas tank. I don't think Andrew Vaughn has the gas tank. Again, I think he's a very short, concise athlete. I think he has very, you know, strong bursts. Um, and that really shows up in hitting. Um, he's going to be great at first base. I think he's going to be stronger throughout the season. And hopefully that leads to stronger events. And hopefully he doesn't get off of his nice mechanics because I think really, you know, you talk about the busyness there, Herb, but you can kind of see the triggers. Like when he lifts up his leg, hand goes back when it goes down, like it's, it's ready for, uh, for to, when his, sorry, when his foot goes down, he's ready to strike. Right. Like it's very clean. Like it's all one motion. Um, yeah, it's like trigger steps, hips, hands, he lets yeah. it go. And I would actually like for him to be back on his outside left foot. He steps to his inside left foot, which leads to rollovers a little bit more. I think he can do that. One of the things he can clean up in his uh, steps. It's one of the things that good hitters talk about, like just the little things you're cleaning up. And it doesn't take a lot. And he can go from the hitter he is now to the next level. But there are things, as Vinny said, that he can still work on to become a better hitter. And he seems like that guy very learned, very uh, studious, and wants to become better. You said he did this in season. That's not easy to do, especially at the end of the season. That's hard as hell to do, especially when you've been doing it for a minute. I think he did. Um, it looks like he did. I mean, it, it, it feels like, um, he, it, like he, he kind of just cut out a lot of the movement. Um, but uh, maybe that's just I, I, I test, but you know, the eye test can always fail us. And I, you know, we brought up the point that it was September. Do you think any instruction from Miguel Cairo or uh, Frank Minikina was allowed to, you know, say a couple more things or he was just listening at this time? I'm like, because that's a weird thing to do at the end of the year when you've been having decent success as, as the home run leader of the White Sox at that point and at the end of the year. I don't know. Um, I'll have to go watch more video like in, in August because, I mean, I'm watching a thing in August right now and it seems pretty cleaned up and and, and more quiet. So, uh, again, maybe it's just you get into bad stretches and then, you know, it's like one off day. You just get into the cage and it's like, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, may, maybe it was just one minor tweak and, uh, you know, we just missed it because it was so minor. Uh, anyways, let's take a quick break here um, and then we'll get into a little bit of Yohan Moncada showing off the World Baseball Classic and uh, Oscar Colas going yard. We got to let you know about DraftKings Sportsbook, though. I have a nice future bet on Oscar Colas to be American League Rookie of the Year there at 25 to one fingers crossed that he wins the right field job and can show out they also are offering nba no sweat same game parlays right now you place a three-leg parlay with minimum odds of minus 200 and place a ten dollar bet if your bet loses you get ten dollars in bonus bets instantly um so if you're not able to cash in on that parlay you are able to uh kind of keep the bankroll alive with a ten dollar bonus 
bet. Um, also, I've been doing really nice on conference tournament time, and here comes March Madness. It's Selection Sunday, uh, so get your brackets filled out, and you can make picks game by game as well on DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the app now. Sign up with code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey, Sean. Yes. With that good 21 to 21 uh, to one odds on Oscar Colas getting from DraftKings as a rookie of the year, you better get it now. Oscar Colas went deep yesterday on a pitch inside. And today, Sunday, he went deep again. So he's going to win the right field job because he's out there mashing. Well, uh, I got that. I got that when the market opened it up. So I think it's even down to like 11 to one now. Um, So, you know, get it now before it goes down to to nine to one. Um, But yeah, hey, uh, we'll talk about him in just a second. Also got to let you know about DraftKings after a while. (laughs) You can get it now. Uh, the Comet Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve save money and energy. Comet offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, whether it's lighting, HVAC system, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. And an authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they could start working on immediately. And each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. So don't wait, get started saving money and energy today. And for energy saving tips, and to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comment.com slash powering biz. That's comment.com slash powering B-I-Z. If you're ready to sign up for a facility assessment, call us at 1-855-433-2700 during normal business hours to speak with a ComEd Energy Efficiency Program representative. You can also email businessee at comment.com or request an assessment online at their website at comment.com slash facility assessment. All right, let's get into Oscar Colas winning that uh, <laughs> winning that job there, Herb. Uh turning and burning on fastballs uh is is he your right fielder i mean he has to be he was probably gonna be he probably was a favorite going in he's done nothing but impressed down there in uh arizona so yeah i think he's the right fielder uh, it sucks for gavin cheats but i think he pretty much knew that his role was gonna be replacement a uh, guy comes off the bench maybe even triple a guy what we'll see uh but oscar colas has been undeniable down there and he's gonna be the right fielder no matter what, I think. I mean, the only problem I would see would be the service time thing, and I don't think the I think the White Sox are past that. So I think the man's going to be on this opening day roster, or at least he should. It. I mean, at the very minimum. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious right now. I think what we were one, waiting to see in spring training was: is there a chance that Oscar Colas just isn't ready for this? Right? Is there a chance that he just needs more time? That he's not ready to go? Um, I think that a a bad spring could have cost him the right field job, but he's done nothing to show that he's not ready to be given a chance. And I think that's the word that Pedro Grafol kept using throughout the entire offseason, right? Was we're going to give him a chance. We're going to give him, we're going to give him every opportunity to win the job and go out there and, and show that he's ready for this so far. He, he hasn't blown it, right? He, he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't done anything, but uh, you know, even, even if you're somebody who wants to say, oh, okay, you know, good job. It's practice. You hit a couple home runs. Good. Well, at least he didn't go fall on his face and, and in, in not doing that and uh, where every bit of impressiveness is, is icing on the sun uh, on the cake there. Uh, I think you have to say that, yeah, he's no doubt probably going to be the opening day right fielder. 
He's got such a pretty swing. I mean, this is, I mean, he's, I, it was effortless. I mean, there's no reason for him to be playing in triple A. I understand that there's grown men, 29 year olds, 28 year olds, you know, trying to make their dreams come true. Uh, this guy is a major leaguer. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch him. And he's just, I mean, he's got the build. He's got the size. He's clearly got the athleticism. Um, I mean, he was a pitcher. Like what, what's the debate here? Like, I think, I don't think there is one, Sean. I know, but just <laughs> bring it home. Uh, like it's, it, it should be him. Um, I think he gives them the most potential and that's what the White Sox should be searching for. If the White Sox win to win 90 games, I think they could do that with Gavin Sheets. Um, I think Oscar Colas gives them a chance to win 90 games. I think he can also be the difference between 90 and 92. Um, like I think he could be that good. Yeah. I don't think this is anything necessarily against Gavin Sheets, right? It's just that this guy, Oscar Colas, who they say, who they spent the offseason hyping up as the guy, is now showing that he has a chance to be the guy. And uh, uh, I think, too, the one big thing that we can really kind of focus in on, too, is what was one of the things that the White Sox said they needed to get better at between the end of last season and the start of this season? Defense. I, I don't really think there's much of a question between who's the better defender between Colas and Sheets in the outfield. And even if you are going to say, you know, of Benintendi, Robert Colas, if that's your everyday outfield, if if you got to put Billy Hamilton in there as a defensive replacement, Colas would be the worst of those three, maybe. But he's still a huge upgrade over what they had last year. And he's a huge upgrade uh, probably over most, if not all, of the other options that are currently uh, on the table, be it Sheets or or Aloy Jimenez. So I, uh, I think that Colas, just with that defensive ability alone, makes the White Sox better than they were. And then, of course, this guy is, is being hyped because of what he can do with the bat, right? So that obviously makes the lineup better on top of it. Uh, I, I think that uh, you can't really go wrong with, with this guy in terms of improving from what you might have had otherwise. Uh, we'll see once the games start counting, once the pitchers are really – going after it a hundred percent if if things are different I mean I would expect him to have a period of struggle it's what happens to every player who comes up and and comes to the major leagues with very few exceptions so um you know the two guys who are in the middle of this White Sox lineup Luis Robert Jr. and Aloy Jimenez you know they've earned that spot in the middle of the lineup and they had huge periods of struggle of their own during their own rookie seasons and 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 since as well so um it's an adjustment no doubt about it so I, I would not expect him to come up and bat a thousand but um, he has done everything seemingly that he's needed to do this spring in order to win that job. It's exciting. I, I hopefully he can show out. Um, yeah, obviously I don't want to set, you know, too high of expectations. Uh, you know, hopefully he can deliver for himself. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun to watch another star kind of come up in the, in the White Sox, uh, in the White Sox prospect or the White Sox organization, um, especially with, you know, the whole Cuban Otani thing, like he's been hyped for a while. So it's going to be a fun payoff here, uh, a fun story. That's for sure on the South side. And, and we're excited to have that. Um, let's go a little bit to the world baseball classic and just kind of uh, give a little bit of payoff on uh, what's going on with Yuan Moncada, uh, Luis Robert jr. And Cuba in pool a Cuba will advance along with Italy. I told you, um, every team in this pool ended up going two and two, um, Cuba, two and two, Italy, two and two, Netherlands, Panama, and Chinese Taipei, uh, all see Sean, two. you told us that Italy would win that tiebreaker, whatever the heck it was run quotient or whatever the heck we're talking about in the you. world baseball classic. You, you knew it. You knew what run quotient was going to come into play. It was but that trip to on Chinese Taipei though. The two and two Chinese Taipei. That's true. I mean, 
that was awesome by Cuba. They were 0-2. Ran them down. And I don't know if you're going to speak about Yohan, but man, when he when they needed him most, he stepped up big mm-hmm. time. And he's striking the ball with authority. And people are going to say, well, it was this pitcher on the, the, the Panamanian team. Panama. It was that team on the Chinese tape, Taipei. And by the way, that atmosphere is unbelievably great. I want to go see a game either in Tokyo and or uh, Taiwan. Just the atmosphere out there. It seems like a party the whole game long. And I was watching and juxtaposing that versus the United States versus Britain game. Oh, my goodness. Paint drying. So boring. And then the Dominican-Venezuelan game in, in Miami. Electric. Like, we need baseball to be more like that. And um, Yohan Mancada just, he saw a fastball. I think it was 3-1, and he missed the pitch, and he was mad at himself. Same fastball, 3-2. Mercy. He absolutely crushed the ball. And the bad, before that, in the first inning, he served the ball to uh, uh, the gap and got a double. So he's been doing work the last two days for Cuba when they needed him. Luis Robert to a lesser degree, but also made some good plays in the field. But Yoan Moncada was widely talked about as having a same year that he had in 2022. The first two games where he went, I think, 0 for 11 or 1 for 11. There's no doubt that Yoan uh, Moncada looks like the player that most of us expect to be in these last two games. And I know it's small sample size and people can say about the pitchers are not of major league ilk, but he didn't care. He was crushing these guys. 100 miles per hour exit velocity on that double and a 22 uh, launch angle, which is real nice. Uh, and Yohan Moncada with a 96.9 mile per hour exit velocity on the home run, a 32 degree launch angle. And that's a lot different than his teammate, Luis Robert, who hits the ball harder than anybody in the World Baseball Classic. There is not a player with a harder exit velocity throughout the entire tournament yet. Uh, and in this game against Chinese Taipei, pay 112.2. 103.8 and 112 uh, or 102.1. So three balls over 100 miles per hour. Uh, the issue is none of them had a, uh, a launch angle above six. Um, so Luis Roberts still having a little bit of issue uh, not hitting balls into the dirt. Uh, but boy, does he hit them hard. Uh, and I'm really excited to see him in pinstripes hit the ball hard. We still got some time uh, with Cuba. Uh, and we're talking pants. about his elite speed. We saw that yesterday. He was him and Yohan first and second in the first inning. Then um, I believe it was Despagne, not Odrisimer, the other Despagne, who's a hitter. Alfredo. He, Alfredo Despagne hit the ball into the gap, right center field gap, and you see Luis Robert low flying around the bases, just using that world class speed to get home easily, real easily. And he's trying to stop himself before his teammates cheer him on. I'm like, man, don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. Because the play before that is the one he hit on the ground like a rocket to the shortstop, and he made an error, and he almost collided with the first baseman at the play where he was safe and they called in the air. And I was like, oh, this is the last thing I need is either Yoan or Luis to be hurt. But yeah, he's striking the ball, but the results are being varied. But Yoan is striking the ball and they're going places. So gap to gap power is uh, undeniable right now. Just I'll say I said it. I think I said it on Friday. I'll say it again. Man, everybody was so, so worried about Yoan Moncada. And uh, after the first couple of games for Cuba, and now all of a sudden he's uh He's primed to return to 2019 form, apparently. So baseball season's back. Daily, uh, daily, uh, everybody freaking out or going nuts one way or the other. Um, so well, ah, we missed it, didn't we? 
but we're excited for him. You know, his him and his country advance, and we get to see Yoan Moncada hopefully play more. It'd be great to see one of these guys uh, win win some sort of medal, whether it be gold, Absolutely. silver, or bronze. I mean, they're going to go against that Japan team, and that team is by far the best oh, yeah. team I've seen plays. It's just filthy. They have dominating pitchers. Their hitters are pretty good. Shohei Itani finally hit a home run. What a bum. Um, but I would love to see Yoan go against that team. Yoan and Luis to go against that team because that's major league talent right there. That's major league pitching, major league hitters. And if they do well versus them, I feel a little bit more confident because that the caliber of players a little bit better in Japan. Do you who's also uh, tearing it up over uh, over for uh, Japan? I know. You go ahead and say it. Lara's new bar, baby. <laughs> Six for 14, diving out in the outfield, making plays, giving the pregame speech. He's a leader, a motivator, a legend, uh, my guy. Um, I also thought this was interesting, too. Um, I'm trying to find the, the credit for it. Um, but this is from Chen Yen Han on Twitter. Um, and Yu Chang, uh, who played for the Cleveland uh, Guardians, the Pittsburgh Pirates, Tampa Bay Rays, and Boston Red Sox, uh, and is currently on the Chinese Taipei team, or uh, Taiwan team, uh, it's completely different playing here. I feel relaxed because everyone is with us. But in the U.S., I feel like no one is with me. I must work hard in silence. Um, kind of talking about the the atmosphere and the fans there. Uh, like, I don't know. I, I wish baseball fans were a little bit more excited. The wave is the best we get. Like, we can't do anything better. Like, what were we so afraid of disco demolition that we're like, oh, nope. Now we got to sit in silence and and, and and hold our fingers. Like, you know. Do you really think that's what people are, are? That's why that's what's driving people. Yes. Oh, boy. We don't want another disco demolition on our hands. Hey, that, you, all that stuff in the 80s happened where they put all the, the stuff. Like, D. Snyder had to go to court. Like, hey, I mean, that stuff happened. Yeah. I just think, yeah, the excitement and the atmosphere is not welcoming to a foreign player or American born player because just, you know, business as usual. That's how we grew up. You get excited about actual plays like home runs, strikeouts, things like that, and not being part of the game. I would love for fans to be more of part of a game and make that atmosphere more home, you know, like a home territory. Like, Hey, you come here, you're going to get booed. It's going to be loud. It's going to be wreck, reckless like the Kansas City Chiefs with their football thing. It's just ear piercing out there. And I think baseball and sports in America could learn from these foreign uh, teams and their fans. Games could be fun. They could be I mean, just a, a buzz throughout the whole game, just like literal buzz, like zzz, just all the way through. What a surprise, you know, I say sarcastically, uh, to, to your point, Herb, that the closest thing that, you know, American fans might relate that to is soccer, right? I mean, obviously, when you watch soccer that's taking place in foreign countries, that is extraordinarily the norm. But even here, like our little bit of it that we have done, you still get some fan sections that are just constant throughout the entire game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, you know, it, that's the closest thing we got to that. But, hey, that appears to be what they do on a daily basis at every single sporting event uh, in, in, in uh, places across the world. So you're absolutely right. That would make it uh, uh, a lot more high energy, a lot more fun. And it's not, um, you know, we, we've, we've, we've lost the days of everybody showing up to the stadium in a wool suit. Right. But the behavior is kind of similar, isn't it? Right. You, uh, yes. you, you love you love seeing all those pictures from the 50s where everybody's there in their hat and their suit. And it's like, guys, it's August in St. Louis. You need to not be wearing that right now. But they used to get rowdy. I mean, they used to have heat stroke and then get all crazy and wave their wool caps around. And, you know, they used to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like the 50s got a little bit crazier than than we did. I don't know. I mean, like we could learn something. No, not every. We could we could also 
Uh, anyways, um, yeah, I mean, I think of college baseball atmospheres or college basketball atmospheres. Like, I think those are pretty, pretty competitive and, and pretty great. Um, the, you know, for what for the students, student section, sure. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's the thing that I think you lose on TV is that, you know, you watch a game that takes place at Duke or Michigan State or one of these big basketball schools and you, you hear insanity and you're like, oh, my God, that sounds so amazing. Well, that's, you know, a quarter of the of the stadium is doing that and everybody else is just sitting there watching the game. So uh, yeah, it, it would be, it's interesting to think what would it take to get a bunch of adults uh, to, uh, to, to go nuts like all those kids do uh, you know, you, you've paid so much to sit in, to sit in the uh, stadium that you're like, Oh, I just want to sit down at this point. Big brain marketing idea, create a student section at guaranteed rate. Just get all the college kids from whatever, two bucks a seat, right? IIT. Beer, 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 dollar beers, and uh, you know, you sit in one section and you got to be as loud as possible. Dollar beer, you think we're going back to dollar Oof. beer because uh, we were at the United Center the other day and I think they're up to 16. <laughs> yeah, and people no, willingly might paying get a little rowdy at the student section, <laughs> definitely willingly paying for 16 dollar bills. Yeah, take, uh, you could have it not for a dollar though, you got to have it at least for six or seven because a dollar right. they would go, they would be all inebriated by the sixth. I mean, maybe Good. not the six because the, the game six, is by the six the game pitch, is, you mean right? Yeah, the game is actually going faster this year. But yeah, you can't you can't have that. Ask Cleveland about their ten cent beer night. It sounds great. Oh. Sounds legendary. Oh no, it sounds it like they terrible. wrote some stories. It was terrible. What happened? I think like they had to cancel the game because people kept on going on the field, Good. stealing bases, stealing the dirt. I mean, not disco, not too far away from disco demolition, but like kind of close. I think the the Indians at the time had to cancel the game. If I remember correctly, I might be putting the two together, but I think yes. ten set beer night was it's uh, a famous shit show. disaster. Yes, yeah. Game game was forfeited. Uh, bases were stolen and never returned. Nine mm-hmm. fans were arrested, and the charges were disorderly conduct. Uh, Rangers won the game three nothing. Um, yeah, yeah, don't hey, do that. Don't do that. Yeah, um, and IAT, those are too much. They're too studious, Vinny. Go to like Rose right across the street, though. Yeah, or <laughs> Columbia, Columbia. Get Chicago State. Chicago State. Oh, that's man. just right down. Oh my the, Jesus! Right down Chicago the Ryan, State would kill. Go. Yeah, go Cougars. Or, All right, get the St. Xavier people. See if Colony hey, is available. Boss them up. There's the Rock Island right over there. Uh, it, the issue is with you know, it's all they're all commuters. You know, um, you can't. There's no one central hub for St. Xavier. I mean, if you try to get a student section there, uh, you wouldn't. Uh, we tried our best, uh, but you know, it was pretty, pretty weak. Uh, hey, anyways. to Paul and Loyola, right on that red line, they drop you off right there at the right there at the ballpark. Roosevelt, right there as well. Go away. UFC, UFC, right down the right down the street. There's a lot. I think this is a great night. Uh, Bill Vec would have done this. Um, you listen, anyways. Brooks. Brooks, give Sean his check. Cut it. Come on, Brooks. Uh, anyways, this is going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We will talk to you tomorrow live at 4 p.m. on our little CHGO Sports YouTube channel. And uh, have fun watching the Oscars tonight, boys. Oscar Colossus.